Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. Well, hey there and welcome back. It's the first week of the month and the Leadership Brothers are back with another episode of Intolerable Bosses. I'm your host and executive coach, Terry Lepofsky, and this month we're exposing the micromanager, the dreaded micromanager, and we're going to explore what you can do to survive. Before we jump into the deep end on this topic, there are a few people that I want to mention here, starting off with our show sponsor, The Otis Group an awesome group of risk management and financial management consultants and virtual CFOs. The entire team over at the Otis Group have been absolutely fabulous supporters of the Intolerable Bosses show ever since our very first episode. Why? Because we're perfectly aligned with them in wanting a world with more leaders worth following. If you like what we're doing on this show, please support those who are supporting us and head on over to otusgroup.com for your financial and risk management needs and tell them that the Leadership Brothers sent you. Now speaking of the Leadership Brothers, here's my second introduction. I want to welcome my co-host, my brother, and the other half of the Leadership Brothers, top-level executive coach Pat Lepofsky. Pat, Welcome back to Intolerable Bosses. Well, once again, Terry, thanks very much for having me. It's awesome to have you back. I always look forward to doing these shows with you. (laughs) I think you and I have been doing so many crazy things over the years that this just kind of lands right in that lovely little sphere of crazy ideas. It seems to me that you and I have stepped on a proverbial hornet's nest, especially last month, didn't we, Pat? Yeah, we absolutely did. Last month, we put out our show where we exposed and talked about the harassing boss and explored what people could do to survive them. And we knew we were on a hot topic when we went looking online for resources and things that might support our recommendations for our listeners. But we were kind of shocked to find a huge gap in the articles, the ideas, the material that's out there as suggestions for people to find if they find themselves in a, working for a boss that was like that. And the reason this was so shocking to me is that the Me Too movement and stories about sexual abuse and other abuse, you know, have really dominated the news every day over the past year. And nobody's really been talking too much about how to help the victims. After we published the show, we've been buried under a landslide of feedback. My inbox has been beyond full, and I know yours has as well. Yeah, for sure. It's obviously a hot topic. Lots of people are suggesting additional tactics for us. A lot of people have been telling us their stories by and far away. The vast majority of messages, people are just sitting back simply saying thank you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got a ton of thank you sitting in my inbox right now. The last show, I think, was by far our strongest one yet. I think it really hit the mark with some ideas and suggestions that have really been missing, which is a real shame. But I'm glad that we were able to find this gap and bring some solutions to people especially those people who have been suffering in silence. I also want to mention that several people have confided in us with some very challenging situations that we won't go into here, but I simply want to say that both Pat and I have been offering our support to some wonderful people who deserve much better than what they've been getting. Our last show last month turned out to be far more impactful than either of us imagined. You know, you're absolutely right, Terry. So let's get back onto our show for this month. 
Today, we're here to talk about one of the most common types of intolerable boss, and we call it the dreaded micromanager, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and these guys are everywhere. You know, it's for some reason, the micromanager is almost like a bunch of ants running around in your driveway. You've got an ant problem. It seems like every organization has at least one of them. It's pretty common, that's for sure. This is the most common breed of intolerable boss. I often wonder if there isn't a school of micromanagement out there somewhere, cranking out graduates and issuing certificates of annoyance as fast as they can print them. I think we all need to start off on the same page here. When we say micromanager, what is it that we're talking about? Because the way I see it, people use the term micromanager differently depending on what their frame of reference is. Here's an example. When I used to work for Apple, Steve Jobs was still the CEO of the company, and some of my colleagues in Cupertino used to call him a micromanager. But that's not exactly what we're talking about here. Now, it's true, Steve Jobs demanded perfection in almost every product and every project. He was micro about the details, but he was not micro about managing people. In other words, he did not stare over anybody's shoulder and dwell there. He was more obsessed with quality. So what is it that we're talking about here? We're talking about the micromanager that's constantly staring over your shoulder, obsessing over every move you make and every step you take. They want to know what you're going to do before you even do it. They want to know what's in your calendar, who you're meeting with, what's going to happen as a result of the, the meeting, and what time you're going to have specific results completed. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're tricky. You know, it's, so what's the impact of the intolerable boss style? Micromanagers really have that psychological need to make it clear to themselves that everybody else in their charge, like the people who work under them and for them, are in line. So the first and most obvious impact is that they're the bosses that rob you of autonomy or creativity or the ability to be yourself and do your own thing. Another impact that micromanagers have is that they insist on being involved in every detail of your work. They're really concerned more about the specifics, such as font size, rather than the, the big picture. They're stealing opportunities for people to really learn, grow, and develop their skills, and really taking on and getting way too deep into the weeds for things that one person might be doing. Micromanagers are totally obsessed with controlling the decisions and the outcomes. It's got to be their way or the highway. You're nearly their minions doing the work that they decide that's important. The world really revolves around these intolerable bosses. They're sucking the soul out of organizational culture. They're also creating kind of a blast radius of demoralized employees all around them. This really, in turn, impacts productivity. It stifles innovation. It pretty much ensures that every customer is going to become a demoter rather than a promoter in the act of what they do day by day with the people around them. I love what you said, Pat. I think that you are really describing this well. They're so obsessed with appearing to be in charge that they're missing the big picture and they're demoralizing people around them. So I think we were getting the picture here of exactly what it is that we're talking about. This is great. Let's just take some time and explore what our listeners can do to survive. We need folks that are listening to figure out if they are indeed being micromanaged. So as we said, Pretty much everybody has their own idea of how much they should be or want to be managed. Some of my colleagues at Apple thought that the CEO was a micromanager, yet he gave people lots of autonomy. So ask yourself what you mean by a micromanager. What makes you feel micromanaged? 
what would it look like or feel like to you if you weren't micromanaged? You need to know this before starting any conversations or any actions with your boss. No, I totally agree. Figure out if you are being micromanaged. The second thing, don't fight. At the end of the day, it's really counterproductive to fight a micromanager because they do have authority and they're micromanaging for a reason. This is really well supported by research to not fight it. HR professionals all around the world give the advice to really not directly battle it. If you even try to push back really in any way, passively or even passive aggressively, which is even worse, that micromanaging leader will immediately label you as a problem that needs to be managed even more closely or potentially managed out. You might be tempted to complain about them, go to some other HR department or to other leaders around them. If that micromanaging leader really feels that you're pushing back, they're only going to motivate themselves to show their authority even more and really reinforce who really is the boss around here. Yeah, for sure. I've seen this one uh, several times, Pat. I'm glad you brought that up. I want to add something else in here too. One other thing that I was thinking about is, what's that old saying? Seek to understand. I think a good strategy here is to try to understand what's causing the micromanaging itself. Is your boss under a whole bunch of pressure from their boss? Do they seem to know any other ways of managing? How about your organization's culture? Does the company encourage or reward micromanagement? Maybe it's part of the management culture within your organization. Are they treating you any different than anybody else? It could be that your boss's boss expects this. And if that's the case, you really do need to find out if it's all about you or if it's about just the general activity that's expected of your boss. If you can stay curious and learn to recognize the underlying reasons, you're going to be in a far better position to know how to deal with it. Absolutely. To understand sometimes is also to look in the mirror. Hey, this is a good point, Pat, for sure. Yeah. Let's get real here. Sometimes people need to be more closely managed. We all know that, yeah, especially if somebody's new, if they're learning something different within the organization. Have you ever taken a real honest look in the mirror at yourself? Really make a real and honest assessment of your own performance at work. Are you hitting your targets? How about those performance expectations? The company's values, are you living up to them one at a time at a high level of one out of 10? Are you pushing your own comfort zone and delivering results? You know, if so, great. You're knocking out of the park. As long as you're getting feedback from even peers and other people you work with, you're in a better place to start the conversation with your micromanaging boss if you really do look in the mirror and do this assessment. And you're right. If not, you might have a little bit of work to do. Yeah, that's a really good point too, Pat. I think every person that I've ever met has blind spots. That's a fact of life. And I think that people need to kind of take a look in that proverbial mirror and figure out if this is a blind spot for them. It could be that they're contributing or maybe even a cause of the problem. And you know, that kind of leads into another one that I was going to mention, and that has to do with trust. Trust is so important in the workplace and increasing trust is of vital importance, especially with a micromanaging boss. A boss's effort to micromanage are often based on their perspective that the work standards aren't as good as what they could be. That's why they're micromanaging. So I think one thing that somebody could do is to make an intentional and seriously dedicated effort to earn the trust of their boss by succeeding at something that's important to that boss. But if you do this, you got to know you absolutely positively must deliver. And when you do that, you're going to increase 
your boss's trust, and you're going to decrease their stress. In fact, you might even be able to mention to your boss that they seem a little stressed. <laughs> be careful though. You don't want to, you don't want them to start thinking that you're that you're pushing here, but if you have an opportunity, you can maybe mention very tactfully to your boss that they seem a little stressed and ask how you might be able to help. You know, gently and carefully do this, but you don't want to come across as challenging for sure. Yeah, absolutely not. It's interesting because the sixth point we're going to make here that really builds is nice how every point builds on the next one. Increasing trusts. Sometimes you got to find out what they need to loosen their grip. I've seen a lot of companies actually do something called teachbacks, where usually when you actually say back to your leader exactly what needs to be done, why it needs to be done, and how it needs to be done, and they sit back and have nothing to add, that might be a first step in actually getting the back off. And I know that along that line of thinking, micromanagers often say things like, I'm scared we're going to fail. They might say things like, if I'm not involved, it's not going to be done to a certain quality and standard uh, of what's needed most. So pay attention and figure out to what will give them a sense of confidence and maybe even have that conversation at the front end. You've got things under control. Absolutely. You know, if the boss agrees, that's even better. But try asking these questions. What does success look like on the project? What are your top concerns that we should make sure we address before we get started? Here's my plan. Do you see any gaps? And in other words, act more like the boss yourself and come to them with some of the answers and test them so that if they give you the approval, you're 10 steps ahead of the game. I like the way you said that last one, Pat. Here's my plan. What gaps do you see? What that does in my mind is that saying to your boss that they can trust you to actually come up with the plan and it maintains a little bit of authority on your side without challenging them. Absolutely. Another thing that I was thinking too is, and it kind of fits in with what you're talking about, Pat, make some upfront agreements. So this is another tactic about talking to your boss before a project starts and clarify how they plan to be involved. Not how you plan to be involved, but how they plan to be involved. Try to agree on a workable approach. Ask what their strategic goals are for the project, not just for the tactical elements and the short-term elements, but the bigger picture as well. So for instance, let's say you're working on an internal marketing campaign, for example. Make sure that you talk about the message that you want to send, not the font you want to use, but the overall message that you want to send. If the discussion gets overly focused on the detail, we'll try to back it out a little bit. Try to bring it back to the principles and the approach that you agreed on. In private, if you need to, quietly and very gently remind your boss that they're better off not getting involved in the minutiae because their time and their effort are more valuable on the bigger picture. And again, I'm going to reinforce, you got to be careful with this second part of this tactic. Don't send the wrong message. You're not there to challenge them, and you want to make sure that they get that message loud and clear if you do this. You're not there to challenge. Absolutely. It's interesting too, because when you actually bring the item back and give them feedback, we all love getting feedback, but uh, have you ever tried to give the micromanaging boss feedback? <laughs> you know, it, it can be tricky, but it can be done. What did you call it before? A CLM? <laughs> yeah, career limiting move. Yeah, I like that. But giving feedback sometimes is the one thing. It's, it's kind of the oil that really makes the engine go. And it's the one thing that if we all had better feedback our entire careers, just imagine where we could be. Yeah. But everybody deserves good, delicately placed, if needed, 
feedback, you know, but only if appropriate. And as we mentioned, like telling a micromanager that you don't appreciate their behavior is sometimes backing them into the corner where they get the dukes up and they want to come out swinging, metaphorically speaking. If you're lucky, there are some well-meaning managers out there, leaders, the micromanagers that really, they don't want to come to work and be that way, but there's a reason why they're actually being micromanaging. Be that they are open to hearing your feedback. So, you know, try to catch your boss in a moment of openness. If it doesn't seem like they're really open to it, you know, you can't do it. You can always ask an HR representative to help you craft your message because there is a way of crafting it. And Terry, you and I really teach a very fundamental foundation-based model of delivering feedback where you always want to make sure that you tell them why you're giving them feedback in a way that's framed as a benefit to them. So when you ask them permission to give them feedback, make sure you say the reason why I wanted to give you feedback. And again, frame it in a beneficial way to them. That's cool. Okay. Now the last one that I want to mention, Pat, is you got to keep that boss in the loop. So yes, give them feedback appropriately. But micromanagers are often motivated by anxiety, as we've already said, right? Mm -hmm. They get nervous about anybody else being able to do things as well as they would do them. So you can address this by keeping them informed of your progress on whatever you're working on. Here's a few ways to do this. Schedule regular check-ins that help your boss feel like they're part of the process. Just real quick little check-ins saying, here's a touch base, this is what's going on. Be proactive about it. Send weekly email updates to share important information. This is a tactic that I used to use myself when I worked in some big companies. Use this to maintain some transparency, and you're going to find that this little extra bit of work will actually save you a lot of time in the long run. Now, if you've got questions or need clarification on a project, don't wait. Don't wait until the last minute or don't wait until you're halfway through the project. You got to be up front with things. It's only going to amplify their worry if you start asking questions after everything's been initiated and it's in midstream. So be thorough and make sure that you're asking those questions up front. What do you think, Pat? Well, I think we almost have a checklist going on here. And it's, it's interesting because everything we've done so far builds up to the fact that if you ever tried to give a micromanaging boss feedback, giving feedback can be tricky. As you're making progress on the other points that we've made here, you most likely will get to the point where that feedback is something that's accepted and they're open to it. Because as we mentioned, telling a micromanager that you don't appreciate their behavior will only get you more of it. You know that it's going to build up. But if you're lucky, there are some well-mannered managers that as you make progress on some of the other items we've been talking about, they may be open to hearing your input and some of the message that you have. Like, really try to catch your boss in a moment of openness. You know, if it doesn't seem like this is really going to happen, you can ask an HR representative or somebody to help you craft or deliver your message. Jointly, you can do that. But just remember, if you have a manager who enjoys showing that she or he has the power, it really could backfire. But in delivering feedback, the most important thing is to ask permission, state your intention. You know, you could say, do you mind if we have a conversation? I've got some feedback. Is now a good time? And then the intention is the reason why I wanted to give you feedback is now that intention, the reason why you wanted to give feedback of a very positive reason why they would want to hear it, the positive benefit that they would really want to hear that message. Then, of course, you can give the facts of what you need to give. You can give the impact of what might be the result of those facts and, and ask them if they're willing to work on it. As we've said on previous Intolerable Boss shows, 
if none of these strategies work and you need to ask yourself if you really want to work there, that might be the question. In your work environment, if it's become toxic, you should consider really transferring to another part of the company or finding another job. If you've really tried each one of the strategies and things really aren't going the direction that you'd hope. But feedback is definitely something as the ultimate last resort. Absolutely, Pat. And I know we've shared this stat before, but 27% of dissatisfied staff are going to quit as soon as they find a new job. 11% are going to quit even though they don't have a new job. But here's what scares me. 60% of dissatisfied staff are going to stay in their job, Mm -hmm. unmotivated, unengaged, and unproductive. What are you doing for your company? If you've got a micromanaging boss out there and it's got to the point that it's toxic, then call it for what it is. Your health and your sanity are not worth suffering under a toxic boss. You know, we've mentioned this before and I'm going to say it again. If you're really stuck and you don't know where to turn, reach out to us. And here's something else that we haven't mentioned before. If you're working for an intolerable boss and you think that they could benefit from executive coaching, send us a quick message with the details. I promise you it's going to be kept absolutely and strictly confidential. And if there's anything that we can do to help, we will definitely do so. So there you have it. Another episode of Intolerable Bosses. We've exposed the micromanager and hopefully given you some useful strategies and tactics to survive and potentially even thrive. So we really hope this helps, right, Terry? Absolutely. Pat, thank you so much for joining me here again. It's awesome to partner up with you, and I know that I'm speaking for many people out there by saying it's great to have your perspectives here on the show. Well, thanks, Terry. It's a pleasure to be on here, and it's, uh, I love doing this type of work together with you. Yeah. Hey, let's throw another big thanks out there to our show sponsor, The Otis Group, at otusgroup.com. Reach out to them for all of your risk management and financial management consulting and virtual CFO needs. Please support those who support us. And while you're at it, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a comment like Dana did. Dana wrote, wow, very impressed in inspiring leadership tools to add to the toolbox. Thank you very much for those comments, Dana. We really appreciate your support and we encourage everyone to take one minute and leave us your thoughts today. Check us out next week when the inspiring leaders return to talk about Leading with EQ with soul coach Ranuka Mohan. You don't want to miss that one. Make sure that you tune in for sure. Thanks again, everybody, for your ears this time around. Take care. Bye for now. And we'll talk to you all again next week. (laughs) 